Hello and welcome back to this premium episode, premium of TF, that podcast you're listening <laughs> to right now. Most lackadaisical sexy voice. Mm. Yeah, well, it's we like don't have a lot premium. of time. Come on, come on, premium. come on. It's a premium, it's a premium episode. Uh, it's for premium, I guess. Uh, so I'll wank to it if you want, I don't care. No, no don't do, no, do not episode, do that. I guess, why'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, we, we actually, we physically can't stop you, but we'd prefer it if you didn't. <laughs> yes. uh, it's Riley, Milo, Nate, and Alice in the studio today. Mm, that's right. Well, Alice isn't in the studio yeah. today. No, I, I'm in the studio at one remove. I'm in, I'm in yeah. the studio northern location. Yeah, Alice, like Emperor Palpatine, is a hologram in the Trash Future studio. <laughs> We're in the studio, she's in the Trash Future Glasgow safe house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our, our satellite campus, where we put most yeah. of our operational uh, employees. Her and the guy who poisoned Navalny yeah. in one flat. We all dress like Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Body of Lies, because as we've discussed previously, he dressed like the first podcaster. Right. Yes, we're all wearing different, like, halves of tracksuits that each mm. represent a country that was in the former Yugoslavia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio on a rare piece of Sammy's Dart recording. So, uh, I'd like to start us off today. We got a, a wide variety of things to talk about today, but I want to talk mm-hmm. about, I want to bring a very, I want to bring the topic of Brexit back into view. Not on the basis oh, of reviewing yeah. it, or, you know, finally saying bollocks yeah, to it. because we did say we would never do that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Riley, but- I notice you have two laptops open. Will you be opening and closing either of them <laughs> at any point during this? Uh, yeah, one no, of us for stocks. Uh, we're talking about uh, Brexit, briefly. A brief Brexit hit. And this is mainly because mm. I really, really enjoy what the UK's new plan seems to be with regards Ooh, okay. to uh, financial servi- the financial services trading relationship between the UK and the EU. Where What they have said mm-hmm. is they have a nuclear option, quote-unquote, uh, that's cool. drawn up by senior Brexiteer economists that will put the squeeze on major corporations based in the EU who raise trillions of euros on the London markets each year, which is kind of, that's very common because it's very, it's very common to do clearing of different currencies in London. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they say, the combination, this is from the Express, the combination of different financial rules in the UK and toxic debt in the EU means they're usually forced to go to London or New York for equity. So with, um, with all of that, basically, they say, look, we have this leverage over you because we can just cancel Euro clearing in London. That's cancel culture. Uh, which basically says what they've said is we should warn the EU that if they refuse to play ball in the talks, we will scrap our protective shield and rectify the dumping and unfair subsidization. I love in a way to that rectify the us. dumping. So mm. <laughs> what I like to think about with this is, number one, what they're saying is this is a big bet by the UK that London's inherent specialness means it holds a monopoly on global capital markets. You can't well, raise money it's, anywhere else. It's got else. all of the fun, yeah. like, restaurants and stuff. It can't like, change. No, it can never change. You can't well, go to Frankfurt. You're going to raise equity over 500 miles from the nearest Pret-a-Manger? Yeah, good luck <laughs> with that, yonk. <laughs> yeah, basically, London is the, the biggest financial market in Europe and the forex capital of the world and their strategy is and what if we just fucking shot that in the foot and yeah. it wasn't that anymore <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. it is doing the blazing saddles bit of putting the gun to your own head and being like I'm crazy I'll do it <laughs> if you don't buy this Ferrari for 200 for $200,000 I will crash it and then no one gets a Ferrari like, I'll go exactly. buy a different Ferrari exactly. yeah. it's like give us the trade deal we want or we get it. <laughs> but, but I really like. We to think will about, blow though, up our own house in order <laughs> to get a good deal for it. 
What I love to think about, though, right, is that this status that London has, Nate, that you mentioned, which actually you can, it's interesting, in, uh, in New York, uh, 76% of the, I remember reading this stat a while ago, uh, 76% of transactions are between American buyers and sellers. Uh, whereas in London, just over 50% of transactions are between se- buyers and sellers that neither of which have anything to do with the UK. So it, that is actually quite literally true. But mm. a lot of that is based on this. Uh, but what I'd like to think about, though, really, is like all of the towering ziggurats of glass and steel, the obelisks to capital like the HSBC, literal obelisk in Canary Wharf. Mm. If, the, if this happens, they're all just going to become dead balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to turn them into a big ball pit bar. Yeah. Fill the HSBC tower <laughs> with balls. We well, can like finally the, like, do the thing that you've been suggesting ironically for months and get a Canary Wharf office for the show. Oh, Trash Future Penthouse on the top of the former <laughs> HSBC tower. Well, I mean, it is it is really funny. Not to sound too much like we're going to a bonus episode of the Romaniacs podcast, but there is an extent to which you have to laugh. It's like, how are we going to finally achieve the Tory promise of leveling up the rest of the country by fucking over the richest part of the country just destroy it hell yeah i mean i don't give a shit if Mm. it makes if it makes the rent cheaper in london then i don't care but i do think this will have some uh slight problems for the british economy the famously healthy british economy we've seen like it reminds me of nothing so much as the journalists who are like well of course the tories are gonna take covid seriously because it disproportionately affects elderly people and they wouldn't like screw over their own base like that so we've now seen them just decide Kill the elderly, bankrupt the city. The two groups Save you lives. could rely yeah, that's the motto. on. Yeah, the two groups you could rely on to prop up a Tory government, and they're just fully going accelerationist on this. Yeah, John White rocks. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's just so mad. This thing, like, if the EU refuses to play ball in the negotiations, like the EU has been playing so much ball in the negotiations, like <laughs> what they want just doesn't exist. Like, I have a mate who used to work in the Foreign Office, and this was even a couple of years ago when things were a bit less insane. And he was like, whenever I meet an EU civil servant, what they say to me is is the british government okay <laughs> they're just like we're doing our best over here and you guys are insane you guys are all ignoring all of the opportunities for britain's vape shops vitamin b12 injection places and, oh, off, hell and yeah. off-brand betting shops to all take up residence in the gherkin king abdullah vapes on ta- like floor 34 of canary wharf one I mean, why it, not it, it yeah. must get really annoying to be an eu civil servant working on this if you're just you know Johannes Vonk or whomever, uh, you're just, <laughs> just, and, just, and your team of clogheads. You're just you're just you're just a, a mild mannered Dutch civil servant, and like mm. you expect it to be a regular thing, like a negotiation between two bodies. And instead, it's just like David Starkey dressed up as John Bull, be like, "I bet you like waffles, don't you? You all like waffles." Yeah, like, but, it's but, just that nonstop. But yeah. what about? Have you considered the opportunity for um for a mobile phone kiosk based in um not the good Stratford Mall, but the bad Stratford Mall? <laughs> oh uh, yeah, across to, the street. To mm-hmm. uh yeah. To, Next uh, to the subway. Yeah, well, they could rent the entire top floor of that building that melts all the Jaguars. I mean, I just... That would be awesome. I, I think ultimately it comes down to... I mean, they should never have reintroduced those to London, quite frankly. It was a mistake, <laughs> ecologically just, speaking. Just, um, like you said, you know, blackpilled completely on the whole prospect, because I don't believe there will be a Brexit deal, because the, the they can't get a Brexit deal that makes people young and make their dick work and makes their dads love them more than their dads love Churchill. So oh, it's no. Ne- it's never, oh, no. <laughs> it's never going to happen. And so I just believe that we're heading for no deal, because that's, that's been the goal all along. Uh, you know, basically... 
they're like, oh, we would never, we would never deregulate things to the point of being, you know, of slashing labor standards and and you know the the normal quality of life metrics that we have. Whereas all the big proponents Wouldn't of Brexit we? have just been like, <laughs> God, I can't wait till we could fucking destroy all these standards for labor yeah. laws. But like, but think about this: there could be a Footlocker in St. Paul's. Yeah, and but, yeah, but I, that I, would I, be pretty cool. But I guess the overarching point here is that, like, to me, Britain is a fundamentally unserious country, and I wouldn't expect anything but this. Uh huh. Mm. I mean, what 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 we deserve is Alice has often said, building country with sick building syndrome. Mm-hmm. We deserve to live in a dead mall. Yeah, I I agree. I, turn Goldman Sachs into a Weatherspoons. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. Oh, duck. Weatherspoons is too upscale for a dead mall. A dead mall would have. What would it have? In terms of like, uh, uh, maybe a Yates's wine yeah, lodge. Yeah, have a wait Yates's wine lodge that's in like a in one of its anchor friends. locations. Oh typically, yeah. Typically, dead malls in the U.S. will maintain their big store like Macy's, but all the smaller stores are just gone. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you'll randomly have, you know, like there might be the pre- the the uh, Otis Spunkmeyer cart or whatever the fuck. Uh, I know weird name a for charity people, shop, but-, but for a charity that gives like prosthetic limbs to dogs. <laughs> Oh yeah, like a, like an off-brand charity shop. A lot of vape. <laughs> off-brand charity <laughs> shop. <laughs> Ma- Mary Curry's cancer care. <laughs> the British Heart Foundation. <laughs> it's a front for like organized crime. Yeah. So yeah, I, I for one, I, I think you know I'm just very excited for there uh, to be. For example, in this in the city, uh, what's another iconic building? Uh, the cheese grater, or mm. like the, the Lloyd's of London building. Uh, it could be a a permanently closing down su- suit store where everything uh, must go. Yeah, a big and tall store. Yeah, be, a, in a, a very big and tall building. A, <laughs> the Lloyd's of Lloyd's of London becomes an, an excess <laughs> overstock store for like irregular coats. The yeah. Lloyd's permanently going out of business. I feel like uh, the Swiss Re building. What is it? Ten St. Mary Axe. I can't remember the number. The Gherkin. Like I mm. want that to be a victim of the coming financial apocalypse because I want us to rent a studio there because I want to be like, yeah, oh, you want the vape shop. You want to, you yeah. want to report, you want to be on Trash Future? I mean, that would suit Nate so good. <laughs> I know it would. You, you want to be on Trash Future? Then you got to get on your bike and ride straight to the dick. Go to the dick. That's where we record at. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're on the foreskin the dick. floor. We hit the vape and yeah. we live in the dick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're, it's, it's TF. It's, it's, in, it's, where the, um, it's where the hedge fund used to be. And then beside that, uh, you'll you have, to, you have to go towards the back of the place where they like se- try, where like a guy tries to sell you, you vitamin B twelve shots. Curtain. Uh, if you get to the phone shop from phone mm. shop, you've gone too far. <laughs> so please, please draw fan art of the, of all five of us sitting on mm. top of the gherkin, looking out yeah. at a ruined London. We're gonna we're gonna put a huge standee of crazy frog outside of our office, so you know which one it is. <laughs> I, I also like the idea because Milo said this in passing, like we live in the dick. It's like, well, I wouldn't necessarily want to move there, but I do like the idea that your favorite podcast lives in one big shoe, like the fucking nursery. <laughs> yeah, we ride. all go to That's bed us. together in one big bed. <laughs> One big yeah. bed, yeah, so, super wide bed. So yeah, uh, hey, you know what? That's that's another thing that could be in the 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 dead mall that replaces the city of London Canary yeah, Wharf. We could, the we, big we could all fit store. into Riley's mm. preposterously large mattress. But just really wide men, but who aren't tall at all, like Dave yeah. Courtney's friends. Oh yeah, the the big but not tall store. Yeah, exactly. That could, that could go. That could go in the uh, sky where the sky garden beds is now. for flat nose geezers. Ry- Ry- Riley would be slightly embarrassed by me telling the story, but when we went to Bristol Transformed in 2019, we uh, wound up staying in a loft bedroom and we couldn't find the radiator. It was turned out it was behind the headboard of the bed that we had to share, and so the room was fucking freezing. So we wound up throwing all the blankets on ourselves and having to like cuddle to stay warm because it was it was March or yeah. March or early April in in Bristol and uh, (laughs) I woke up 
uh, a little bit hungover, at, you know, after going to bed at like four in the morning. And Riley, I was like so basically bear hugging Riley from behind, trying to stay warm. And then you, in your sleep, you just ripped ass. And I was just like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> well, if they weren't masturbating before, they are now. <laughs> yeah, I just just roll out of bed, go downstairs, take a shower, disinfect myself, and just like yeah. find a way to make tea. Mm. That's what you get. I'm, Don't I'm touch very... me while I'm asleep. Yeah, I'm very. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, me too's Nate live on the podcast. Well, I didn't touch um, you while I was awake and you were asleep. I think in my sleep, I also had reached around to fucking cuddle so you to stay warm. Yeah. Any case, mm. uh, let us. You wanted to get this first segment done quickly, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk about a startup now. It's called Unacademy. Anyway, just go along to uh, Dave Courtney's uh, eel and pie shop uh, at the top of the shard. It also sells <laughs> illegal weapons. <laughs> Startup, Unacademy, spelled UN and then Academy as normal. It's all one word. Is it model gonna, UN? No. Is it going to make you unlearn all of the lib cuck shit you learned in your getting triggered classes? Kind of. Oh, is, it, is, cool. it, is it like Unheard's Academy to teach you logic? Uh, it is, in fact, India's largest learning platform. Uh, okay. But what it does is it makes sure that you don't learn anything that's related to say, uh, or at least it was dis- initially it made sure you didn't learn anything like you know social sciences or humanities related, mm-hmm. it, or even most STEM subjects. It none, mostly of that, just, none of that gay shit. It just prepped you for different exams that in, uh, there were set by like the Indian Civil Service or Indian state banks and so on and so forth. And that's why the Indian governance right now is the most logical in the world. You can tell by all of the reply guys they have. Yeah. Because mm. the exams, you know, it, 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 it well, it, it's an exam-based process. It works. Look, they, the, the, the country of India has decided to raise the self-esteem of white women all over the world by sending them really nice DMs. And I think that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so basically how it works is it was started by, uh, by this guy uh, called uh, Gaurav Manjal. And what he did was he said he just started teaching JavaScript courses on YouTube. And then that kind of got big. And then he started doing other courses on YouTube and then did his own platform. So it's PragerU, but for the Indian Civil Service exam. Okay. Uh huh. This kind of has a based vibe. An Indian who teaches you JavaScript but on YouTube. I think the thing about PragerU that I, I feel like you need to make clear, though, is that it sounds to me like this guy's classes at least teach you how to code in JavaScript. Uh, so, uh, but no, what this is, is it's, it is all of these, um, it's, a, it's YouTube classes, basically. It's YouTube master classes. That's the way to understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has recently been given a valuation of one and a half billion dollars. Uh, okay. Yeah, that seems worth it. I'm, I will not look into this further. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you about the success of this company, how it's worth one point five billion dollars now, despite being YouTube masterclasses, specifically for the Indian civil service exams. How much of those billion dollars are from SoftBank? Oh, a few of them. <laughs> say Weirdly, three out of one point five are from SoftBank. <laughs> no, so um, basically, this is the this is the mm. uh, the second big investment from the SoftBank Vision Fund Two. Ah, what happened to Vision like Fund One? We, uh, it, it was it was wound up. It ended. Oh, they stole fucking having seasons from us. Yeah. We decided we had to have season two and then season three of Crash Future, and they were mm. like, "Fuck, we gotta have, uh, we gotta have a tranche two of Vision Fund." <laughs> season two of SoftBank. Yeah, this so, time it's Blackfield. Yeah, it gets Soft darker Bank. and grittier. Well, yeah. One of the big differences between Vision Fund One and Vision Fund Two is Vision Fund Two is looking to invest in more specifically AI focused companies, which you know is horseshit. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And also EdTech, when this is EdTech. The other mm. thing that's interesting about SoftBank Vision Fund 2 is that they've waved goodbye to the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. 
You buy Saudi Arabia public investment fund. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. that's so a shame. Now it's basically the coterie of the usual perverts, like Microsoft and um, I believe the Kazakhstan Development Bank. Oh, cool. <laughs> Those are a good bunch of lads. The Kazakh where, government where? are incredibly normal and people you should deal with. Yeah. So where, where where's MBS gonna store all of his money? Well, now? They're still trying to woo MBS over. Uh, they, they they are because they, it's not like they kicked MBS out for you know murdering that journalist. Instead, mm. MBS kicked himself out because they made him subsidize that moronic Adam Newman. Oh man, oh, yeah, oil, damn. do it to yourself. You do, and that's what really hurts. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're trying to. Get, I think they're trying to get MBS back, but we'll see. But like they have a, a fund of slightly smaller, but like only just. Feeling um, like pure shit, just want MBS back. Yeah, so I'm going to be tracking the new additions to the uh, Saudi Vision Fund. Uh, Saudi Vision Fund, excuse me. On your SoftBank, second laptop. SoftBank That's Vision what it's for. Fund too. Mm. Yeah. So uh, what I find interesting about this class, right? Because this class, this um, uh, uh, this startup, is that you they charge twenty dollars to one hundred fifty dollars a month for test prep, depending on how much mm. intervention you get, and they've expanded their offering outside of just different tests that are set in India for entrance. Well, the Saudis things. love intervention, so um, I can see this working. And uh, they basically, yeah, it's, a, it's an app. You can get classed if you have a smartphone, mm. YouTube, but it's got some like, it's like YouTube plus Twitch. You can interact and so on and so on. Nothing that special. Okay, cool. Um, but what hey, well, lives- my teacher drops a hard R during my JavaScript me, me just live streaming me doing the Indian civil service exam. Like, uh, yeah, this game Let's, sucks. Social experience. Should, should, should we get jobs in the Indian civil service? Why not? Can I get some snooze emotes in the chat for this Indian civil service exam? <laughs> Very dull game. Yeah. Almost as boring. Twitch plays Indian civil service exam. Yeah. Uh, does anyone know what EBITDA is? Um, <laughs> I don't think the Indian civil uh, the Indian civil service doesn't care care about horseshit ratios like EBITDA. I would be mm. happier, I think, arranging train times in Uttar Pradesh than doing this. So you would love yeah. that generally. Yeah, you would love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I would basically putting the, the I in trans. I want to talk about uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny. I want to talk a little bit more about this business itself because, like most of these incredibly high value tech startups, it actually what it's doing is it is engaging in um, the casualization scams. of an entire workforce. Scams. Yes, it's engaging in scams. Ah, we love a scam. So essentially, there are a few quotes that kind of twigged me as to what was going on here. Um, initially, I struggled to teach online as there were no students in front of me. There was no energy, said one teacher, who estimates that certain prominent teachers on the app can earn upwards of $125,000 a year. He's a vibes guy. Well, no. Well, so what it is, is basically, <clears throat> you, if you were a teacher, that used to be a job you could do at a school or mm. a test prep or some central location. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that like, you know, working as a teacher at a, or at a test prep center would have been great or we have to go back to that. But it was never just a gig. Yeah. Right. So, mm. That's what teaching English in a for- as a foreign language yeah. was for. So yeah. this now, basically the idea is they said, our goal has always been to democratize knowledge. You can always tell someone's full of shit whenever they use democratize as part of their multi-billion dollar startup and make it more... Af- yeah, we want to democratize the Soviet Union. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and make it more affordable and accessible by getting the best experts in the world to help everyone achieve their goals. And that's what the, uh, the founder, the uh, Munjal character, said. So you're still talking about the Soviet Union. <laughs> so basically what's happened is, teacher, you now can make a pretty good income if you're in the top like 1% of teachers, but unless otherwise, teaching now has to be one of your like nine jobs. Awesome. That's good. That's what we like yeah. to see. Um, so, you know, that's... Uh, I also love the kind of teaching where if you don't give the teacher a, like six out of five stars rating, they will die. Yeah. 
It's yeah. great. You're getting paid in bits. That's, a, that's the good classroom dynamic. Yes. And the other thing it means, yeah. <laughs> my students start the hype train so that yeah. I can get paid. <laughs> only only I can pupils. just make my yeah. teacher dab at any time. Also, I am failing the Indian civil service. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to my OnlyFans if you want the answers. <laughs> um, so the, basically what this really means, right, is that Gaurav Manjal gets to take a piece of every educational interaction around this thing in India. And if you want to be a teacher, you better hope you're popular because the algorithm decides how much you get paid mm. and you don't get to know that. Oh, cool. How that You're works. kicking up to Gaurav Manjal. More or less, yeah. Mm. Um, so, And he kicks up the Johnny Sack and no one else. <laughs> so basically, yeah, <laughs> this is what this is why a version of you. This is why YouTube masterclasses isn't worth one and a half billion dollars in itself, because it's not like it's somehow undermining the labor power of Aaron Sorkin by getting him to, you know, say, ah, write a screenplay uh, for, you know, people paying $80 to do it. Mm. This is basically taking advantage of you know coronavirus and like the prevention of people getting together in, in areas to like learn stuff and using that to capture and permanently alter potentially the education market in favor of this guy and SoftBank. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like cram schools were ever going to be great, but uh compared to this, like mm. yeah. So mm. That's uh that's a a fun little peek into what Vision Fund 2 is going to be doing which appears to be uh further privatizing the the digital commons in response to coronavirus to make money for the world's dumbest people. Anyway, if you're going into the Indian Civil Services Podcast Regulation Division, I can teach you all about it for $400 an hour. Oh, what thief taker be- thief becomes a thief taker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh mm. so the other thing about SoftBank I want to talk about uh, is it ter- remember that we t- were wondering, huh, I wonder why Tesla's stock price keeps going up so high, even though they only make like 20 cars. Oh, yeah, because we talked Epic. with uh, Quantian about that. Indeed. And um, we got, and they're partly like, we knew that it's like much of its revenue is a going concern and much of its revenue growth came from like, um, uh, rev- like regulatory arbitrage, unsurprisingly. But equally, that still doesn't by itself explain the behavior of its stock, especially in the last several days. That explanation is now at hand. Cool. And it's SoftBank again. Riley explains. Ah, we love SoftBank. These guys, they're <laughs> behind all the best shit. Honestly, like without SoftBank, what would this podcast be? Like the dialectical <laughs> relationship between us and SoftBank, like we we are like bound, we are fused together in the spirit of the lathe. Like we are bound to be enemies, and yet also one cannot like survive without the other. That's We're right. an Ouroboros. Like I I, I want I want SoftBank to like reinvest in that um pizza truck that it turned into a billion dollar oh, failure yeah. can we move the trash Eater studio into a pizza truck that's constantly moving i think we could I, look if the econ- if the economy goes the way that we sort of we generally think it's going to go in the long term we can have both the pizza truck and the ziggurat on top of the hsbc yeah, we, building. we can just do anything we mm. want like yeah fuck it accidentally we have we have created uh, a revenue stream that will uh, like Theoretically, survive all of these banks imploding. Yeah, which is extremely funny. We could just Bank buy a like future. fucking vault. Yeah, yeah. Keep trash stuff future, in it. Trash future banking services limited. Yeah, brackets so not a bank. As, so long as so long as you are happy with the relatively modest earnings of Split Five Ways, a moderately successful podcast. <laughs> this is bulletproof. <laughs> hey, would you would you like to earn as much as a trainee teacher? <laughs> <laughs> Take it to Massey. Yeah, podcast buddy. 
Um, Would you like to technically not be homeless? Mm. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about SoftBank and the NASDAQ. and what Because basically, like, remember what happened with the stock market is that a small number of tech stocks have been shooting through the roof, uh, causing the S&P to, you know, that guy with the hats to continue putting, taking them on and putting them off. Uh, different hats. Yeah. D- D- Dow Wait, one of these hats just says, got milk. <laughs> oh, no, the Dow. <laughs> oh, not the, the milk The Dow is stocks. now milk. The Dow is now milk. I'm sorry. Milk oh, no, alert. it's going to go off. We'll it's be like, okay for a few days. It's like uh, a week like, at most. It's like one of those old pinball machines where you just like hit the wrong bumper and it's milk alert, milk alert, milk alert. <laughs> <laughs> it begins, the doors and windows seal and the chamber begins filling with, filling with milk. <laughs> See one of the old tra- like traders just putting on a fucking scuba mask like not this. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> the, guy, the Dow guy needs to be more careful with his hats. That's right. But, so what actually happened was, uh, yeah, these a small number of tech stocks were basically carrying the rest of the U.S. economy, the stock market, to continue, you know, breaking previous highs mm-hmm. and created what appeared to be a V-shaped recovery in equities uh, next to a um, shrug-shaped recovery in everything else. Um, so mm. what was driving this was uh, that Masayoshi Son appeared to get like Robin Hood and started buying wildly out-of-the-money call options in companies like Tesla, but in world record-breaking volumes. Yeah, give cool. me a trillion dollars on milk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it when like you have so much money that you actually don't need to know anything about the stock market yeah, because what you do just is the stock market. That's precisely the point of what of what we're getting to here, which is like, yeah, it's just it's never had anything to do with the amount of cars Tesla was making or whatever. It's just Masayoshi Son realized that he could more or less. I, I don't even know whether he realized this or just thinks Elon Musk is epic. Like, it doesn't matter what Masayoshi-san mm. actually thinks. The fact is, his investment decisions are so structurally powerful that he's able to mark the value of his own asset. A conspiracy is- of rich doofuses who don't even realize they're conspiring is such yes. an awesome idea. Some that's kind that's of capital. confederacy of dunces. Ca- Tesla, Tesla's fucking cool. I bought $4 trillion worth of stock, which is more than they were even selling. And now it's worth $8 trillion because <laughs> so I'm a re- genius. Well, it's Masayoshi Son from Staten fucking Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only accent yeah. Milo likes to do. Milo a, does one of three. My name's Masayoshi Son. I've been buying some stock in Tesla. <laughs> yeah. and, th- and this is prop up the US equities market by accident. Exactly. <laughs> welcome to Jackass. Um, yeah. This is basically a welcome to financial Jackass. Yeah, well, uh, we're running a bit of a little investment fund out of Westchester, Pennsylvania, bro. Okay, so basically, what it was specifically, though, what's interesting about this is. He was not buying the stocks. He was just buying call options, millions yeah. of them. Mm. And so, so you wh- say, if if the stock hits such and such a price, then I will buy it for this amount, right? Uh, so well, the the basics of uh, this, I'm going to do a little bit of an explains here because again, this is something that I think is probably useful to know, if only so you can really understand that there's only the only broken and yeah, meaningless. Yes, exactly. So basically, an option for those of you who don't know. It's a contract you make with with someone else that they will either you could buy a stock at a certain price for them or they'll buy a stock at a certain price from you. The one we're going to focus on is the first one that's a call option. So I can get, buy a call option from a broker on Tesla. It says I will buy a contract from you to purchase one Tesla stock at three thousand uh, dollars in the next sort of four months. Then the option expires. Mm. If that option expires, Tesla stock doesn't go above three thousand. I've basically given that guy some free money that he can use to do whatever he wants with. 
If it does go over, then I'll either sell the option to someone who will, because it now has the worth of that stock, I'll mm. sell the option to someone who will then, you know, exercise it or sell it on further, or I'll exercise it and I'll get a Tesla stock for that amount of money. Pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So what happens though on the app? Because someone has to sell you the option. And this is where we get into a concept called gamma chase. So but every stock and option has two different forces that underlie what it means. So there's the first, which is called, which is represented by the Greek letter delta, and that's the difference between the stock price and the option strike price. So Tesla's price today and te- my call option at three thousand dollars. The difference between those two is the delta. Then it has something called the gamma, which is the rate of change in the delta, and that's important because if the delta starts changing quickly, then the broker who sells me the option has to do something about that. Because when I buy an option, the broker says, okay, I'm selling you this option. I now have to hedge my risk that Tesla's stock will go above the price of the option and I'll be having, a, ha- having to make a bad deal. So I have to buy a certain number of Tesla stock. Mm. And so what can happen then is if someone like Masayoshi... You buy so many options that the hedging itself uh, becomes such a value that it drives the stock upwards on its own. Which, mm. and then this is why we talked about gamma, which increases gamma, which is the rate the rate that delta is shrinking, right? So, so the it, brokers have to buy more stock. and more and more. And you're, so, just, you're just hijacking your own broker <laughs> yeah. rules. Yeah, you're just walking him up to the top of the blade of grass. So basically, and yeah. this is, uh, I, I, so I confirmed, I basically checked this with a friend of the show, Quantian. If you buy like an out of the money call option for say fifteen hundred dollars against Tesla, they'll need to buy sixty six thousand dollars worth of shares to hedge against that because it's so crazy. And, <laughs> but if that stock goes up, then then if it, even if it goes up by like five ten percent, they'll have to buy another hundred seventy five thousand dollars worth of stock, magnifying your initial buy by a hundred times. This and is that's- a perfect system. Anyway, that's nothing ca- about this is wrong, especially when you can just say, I have a trillion dollars, put it all on Tesla. Okay, Trash Future Options Warehouse. <laughs> We're going to start doing, buying options on fucking penny stocks um, and so riding yeah. the market. So that's called a gamma chase what's, because you're what's like. What's the funniest stock that's currently traded that we could gamma chase Yippee. upwards? Yippee. Right wing Google, right wing Google alternative Yippee is a penny stock. Oh, yeah. Should you we actually ca- do this? <laughs> I have to call I mean, my broker. Yeah. I'm about to stop becoming friends with my broker. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, we haven't spoken since we agreed to open a small price restaurant together and then never spoke again. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in purchasing $40,000, $4,000 call options <laughs> on Yippee, a, a right wing search engine. <laughs> I don't know if a broker would write those, uh, but hey, maybe. Anyway, just go find one who will. But so that Mm. basically means that if you're a big enough investor, you can just mark the value of your own asset. Awesome. There it is. Marking your own work is always, always incredibly successful. Exactly. When you and the the other kids in class get to mark each other's work and it's just I serve the Soviet Union. Yeah. So uh, basically earlier, right, you know, we've often talked about how there is this massive decoupling of the stock market from not just like the equities that represent uh, the equities that are like underlying all those shares, the actual mm. companies but from anything, anything, yeah, the line, all. the line stopping. No line, line no longer makes sense. Line, line, the line's riffing. Yeah, the line's just vibing. The riffing's de- the line's doing a bit. We can't understand the bit because we don't speak line. But like when the line starts doing loop de loop, then we're like, they're just like, I don't know, I didn't know maths could do that. <laughs> Went back in time briefly and yeah. then down and around. 
Yeah, um, fuck yeah. it. So like this is so when we talked about this, when we said that you know the v equity markets in general are more of a reflection of just elite consensus yeah, that they check. think that their stuff should still be worth a lot. This is the kind of thing we mean. Elite consensus <laughs> is the name of the vape shop that's going to be next to Trash Future in the Gherkin. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and like, if you want to think about like what the consequences of this are for like everyday it. life, um, if you have a pension, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, don't, oh. yeah, don't worry about it. Number one, forget about it. Yeah. Uh, well, the con- one of the consequences pension, of this kind of thing no, for everyday you, life no, you is do right. Not like, have a pension. if you say, yeah. No, you don't have a pension. <laughs> if you have a pension, consider putting it in Tesla stock. But like a lot, a lot of asset managers that might control things that you actually care about. I don't know if you care about your university. A lot of them are just hedge funds now. A lot of these market moves, like well, as soon as it's revealed that uh, none of this, um, that all of this uh, market that moving in like the Tesla stock or whatever was just SoftBank initiating a weird um, upward spiral that's created by a technical weirdness in option brokering it's the value fell immediately which means that like you can't win in the stock market unless you have insider knowledge or a trillion dollars mm. yeah yeah so it's one of those cool. two things you can oh, it, it, don't bother investing unless you either are insider illegal. trading which is you know yeah. technically illegal unless you're like a friend of the tory party or whatever technically illegal but praxis or a uh, a senator for example they insider trade mm. all the time nothing seems to happen to them or Unless you are Masayoshi San, <laughs> those two people, and it, it, uh, those two yeah. kinds of people, they can invest. Uh, you're better off. You're better off just like making friends with Lex Greensill at a party and having him supply chain finance your kid's lemonade stand for yeah. making money. And look, he might then hunt your children for sport, but you could make a lot of money on the. We do not. We cannot say for certain that he would do that. <laughs> he, he might do it. We don't know. I've actually. I I did the. I I cracked open the um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I broke into his country estate. No, I actually cracked open. I cracked open the um the specific like the actual asset listings of the mm. Credit Suisse supply chain finance fund. There is no rhyme or reason to any of the businesses in there. It's just like a hotel, like that, just a random hotel, uh, like very small businesses and so on. Just it just it seems to me it would be it would be libelous to say that Lex Greenshill just. Uh, supply chain finances his friends' businesses. There we go. Um, I just interrupted just... by a drop from James Charles there as I reached for the libel button so hard I hit the <laughs> drop button. Yeah, you know, it would be libelous to suggest that he just supply chain finances his friends' businesses to do them favors. So I will not suggest that, and yeah. I'm not suggesting that. No, I'm just still hung up on the idea of like me, Alice, and Bill Oddie in a big wicker cupboard somewhere looking through a slit in binoculars as we watch a liger just eat a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, there is. I like um, how it's not libelous to suggest that he has a liger that eats children. Well, I didn't suggest that. I just said that <laughs> me, you, and Bill Oddie could watch a liger eat a child. <laughs> it's the libel liger. It could be in, anyone's in, in liger. In an undisclosed location. Yeah. Well, it's no not, one's liger. If you're talking about a fictional creature, then it can't be libel because the liger, liger is, real. is fictional. Yeah, a liger is real. Ligers are real? I thought that was. Oh, <laughs> man, they are so real and they are terrifying. Do you think it was a griffin? I thought it was a fucking joke from Napoleon Dynamite from almost 20 years ago. (laughs) I didn't know they were fucking real. They're they're so big. They're so fucking big. 
I mean, <laughs> which is lions and tigers are about the same size. So did it somehow yeah, but come for some big... reason ligers are gigantic? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually yeah, they, what they happens look like is, a large, um, it's like a moose that's a, a lion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The the, bro- the lion cells actually have to keep chasing the tiger cells. They keep multiplying. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, so this is. Oh, also Tesla didn't get added to the index, so F's in the chat. Aww. Aww. Uh, Elon Musk. Didn't Elon believe- Musk have a huge payday tied to that happening. Sort of. Elon Musk's huge payday was tied to the value of Tesla's stock, which would have been driven that which would have been driven that high by the index ad. But I think it was probably also driven that high by um uh, right. the you cannot buy. lose. No. You physically cannot lose if you are Elon Musk. Corn Every- grows in the fucking ground. Everything is an everything is an upwards yeah. chickens fucking lay eggs. <laughs> yeah, everything or, has to be understood. Or kill it made of chicken. <laughs> everything has to be understood basically as a sheep bit woolly, it's wool. Yeah. You cannot lose. <laughs> everything has to be understood essentially as just different upward spirals that have long passed over anything approaching yeah, democratic the, control. The line the line has a z axis now. Yeah. Uh, um, mm, I don't know. Zoomer axis. Climate upward spiral. Um uh, tech stocks uh, uncontrolled upward spiral until of course they crash because like that's the thing. A, that's what a bubble is. It's just yeah. it is just unre- unreasonable enthusiasm. Nate's just showing me some pictures yeah. of some thick ass ligers. <laughs> oh, that's that's Doc Antle. That's a big ass ant. I had no idea those things were that big. Yeah. Damn. Oh, they are. They they big. Oh, that's so the Down syndrome weird liger. animal podcast. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if we can finish Liger Corner, uh, I have more things for us. Oh well, it's, it's always a shame when we have to. When we have to cut like a corner short. Why do you have short. to stop my animal chat? All right, I'm regressing. I'm four yeah, no, years I'm, old. I'm into this. Yeah. Give me, give it's me more. Weird basically, animals. it's uh, is you're gonna if you have to be four years old so you can deal with all the different upward spirals that are making the world unlivable. We're gonna have a fucking liger enclosure in our office in the, in the garden. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Why not? Right, okay, add because, that to the fan art. All five yeah, of because, us plus a liger sitting on top of the gherkin. Once all of mm. these things fall apart, which they will. Yeah. Um, What's going to then? What's going to happen is that all of the billionaires and their strange menageries—they're not going to be able to keep them anymore. So we could potentially get a liger, yeah, the liger like, of Islam. Yeah, Lex Greensill's <laughs> secret liger enclosure. Uh, but hey, so I want to move a little bit on. Uh, we're back in the office because we're doing our patriotic duty. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, the the police have taken uh, taken to protecting the interests of Pret a Manger in the UK recently. Oh, that, that thing that like. Uh, anarchists on their first demo say that the police are for turns out to be entirely correct. Just, uh, you're just fucking there to protect Starbucks. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Have uh, have, the, have Fred Monje got got like a copper in their pocket? They're like they're like palming him like a, a roll of twenties outside the. <laughs> well, it's uh, this basically what happened was a a young Asian man went into a Pret at Waterloo Station, and then when he left without buying anything, was pinned to the ground by police officers. Oh, that's where Hussein is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Citizen, so he you was... will fucking buy the salad box. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Yeah. The, crayf- the crayfish and avocado box is a great fat group, balance mm. of fat and protein. Yeah, you just I know so it's pointless that to say a... ham is from Wiltshire, it's meaningless, but it's still a good sandwich. <laughs> All of this is being said to you with a taser firmly in between your shoulder blades. <laughs> so uh, I up. noticed the gentleman uh, went into Pret-a-Manger, uh, wherein there was an altercation between the gentleman and the salad box. Uh, did the salad box say anything confrontational to yourself? <laughs> so his punishment was for not purchasing something. He didn't, bu- he didn't steal anything. Well, he just a consumer at all times. 
So uh, they said it was it was just weird that he went into Pret a Manger and didn't buy anything because the sandwiches are so good. And then on the mm. form that police have to fill out when they like tackle and tase you and stuff, they left yeah, the, the reason. Tasteful. Yeah, they left the reason box blank. <laughs> something something the Met Police and the stock yeah. market have in common of just fuck yeah. you, we do whatever we want. Yeah, and this is why Huberstank would be better than the actual cops. Right. Yeah. F- fair enough. Why not? Yeah, they always have the reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the thing is, right? Um, if you want to, if you do want to understand these things in terms of uncontrollable upward spirals, mm. Brett doesn't have to say, "Hey, racially profile someone who comes in and doesn't buy anything." These things just become common knowledge. It becomes things that are yeah, it just becomes agreed suspicious upon. to mm. walk into a prep, yeah. see the line is too long, and leave. Fred Amanger, yeah. let's just say you don't pay with money. <laughs> That's right. Also, sometimes the sandwiches that are left can be really grim. So what you're basically saying is that if you cross the threshold into Pret... I'm sorry, Nate, that's talking Britain down. You are duty-bound <laughs> to buy something, and if not, if you do not buy something, the cops can assault you. Yes. I, mean, I think the, the, the fact that yeah. they didn't leave a reason on the form just says... The cops can assault you. It doesn't really yeah, have anything the, the, to do with They Pratt, wrote it up and it will. was like he was being evasive, uh, like evading yeah. what? The fucking sandwich mm. box. He was evading the taser. I mean, yeah. I do think that that like that is a very nice, neat encapsulation of Britain right there, that the cops are really bored and you can be assaulted legally for not being deferential enough to the Great British Sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And this is how you know that Pret-a-Manger isn't really French, right? Because if that had been a true French sandwich store, when that guy got tackled by the cops, Burn a the fireman fucking, yeah. would have walked out of that and he would have just headbutted <laughs> both of the cops and gone, allez. Every, <laughs> every Pret-a-Manger is on fire the next day <laughs> yeah absolutely ah uh, france uh but hey so Isn't that's nice um, to have that's, militant that's... communist unions yeah so... sorry a fireman in full blackface and big clown shoes <laughs> how would you tell yeah well just be coming from a fire <laughs> it is it is not suits i have not attended i've gotten a cat out of a tree I'm on... there was no suits there i am on one of my 230 state-mandated holidays. As you will notice, my boots are unpolished because I ran out after the face. Um, but hey. I didn't realize that France had a colony in South Africa. <laughs> I've joined the French. I'm a pompier now. Okay? I'm a mercenary a, helping the French fire yeah. department. It's a little bit. Some of the uh, some of the wet work around, uh, around Central well, Africa it's wet work, of is, is it dried is. up. What's well, wet work in France? Because you yeah. got to spray water on stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to do wet work. I don't care what kind or how you define I've, it. I've been surprised that a lot of the work involves pouring, pulling long strings of handkerchiefs out no, of people's I would, pockets. I would understand it if uh, you walk into a W.H. Smith and you do not come out with a book of Michel Houellebecq. Uh, that is also crime. You can be uh, attacked by the sound police. Like but uh, <laughs> no, it is not important. Uh, uh, no, you, you sound like uh, you know. You sound like you sound like um, uh, 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 Colonel uh, Iran Murad. That is also crime. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you're saying that when I do a French accent, I sound Israeli? Uh, what, for one word. For French Israeli. Tropes. But hey, let's, uh, let's get to this, uh, this, this, this article. Because this is of like, again, the Br- Britain with its wonderful free press. I love the freedom mm. of the press here. Yeah, it's a great um, press. Uh, a wonderful free press suddenly had all of its major newspapers from The Guardian to The Express, all of them have issued Ed... All that good shit. Actually, commuting is lovely, and you should miss it. Articles. All of them have released one of those this week. I described this on Twitter as like putting... Like, putting this through the manufacturing consent machine is like putting a fork in a blender. 
Like it, it technically mm. will blend it, but also destroy the blender and the fork. Will it blend? And just create a bunch of really ugly noises on the way. That's right. Um, and so there have been a bunch of these. I've saved a few of them going forward because like there are a few that fall into different reading categories for us, but I've picked the best one because most of them are just oh, like spoilers. a lot of them are a lot of them are just like, uh, oh, you lefty liberals want to see people in Pret lose their jobs because actually, you know, maybe Jeremy Corbyn is the actual prime minister and has been making all of these rules mm. that are causing Pret people to lose their jobs. Yeah. When, you, when you close Great down stuff. Pret, it's not just the people who make the sandwiches who lose their job. It's the official Pret policeman. <laughs> and, you know, he's got a wife and kids. Yeah. So there have been a lot of the, a lot of the usual just like, you know, hand-wringing, moralizing from the usual boring morons that make mm. up this country. There is one piece that actually when you read it closely rivals shoes for oh that's a, that's a strong okay. promise to begin yeah, with big boast there mm. big boast let's see but we're not going to talk we're going to save that one for our official um sort of guardian articles written well on zoloft correspondent juliet jacks but really? here's the thing right yes here's the thing like two points number one yesterday sunday not not normally a day with high numbers because weekend high numbers for new covid cases tend to be lower uh they had 3,000 new cases up from 1,800 on Saturday, up from like 1,000 on Friday. So not good. V-shaped recovery. Uh, and <laughs> so, so the idea that you're pushing people to go back when like, we absolutely have not got this in the bag is one thing. The other thing yeah. I would say is that- SoftBank actually just bought a load of call options on the number of new corona cases. <laughs> what this reminds me of weirdly is- if you remember in March, the extent to which all the bird-brained fucking golden retrievers in the British media were were clapping on about uh, herd immunity being a good thing. Like, we need herd immunity. Oh, well, herd yeah, immunity. It's because- herd immunity. They heard a magic word and they just had to all repeat it like fucking... I can't even think of the the, the most kind of contemptible... unherd immunity? The most yeah, kind of like contempt, right. contemptible animal behavior to re- like compare I, I this to. I believe you think of parroting there, since you sounded kind of like Sam the Eagle if Sam the Eagle was an army ranger. Okay, but but all right, all right. So here it is, <laughs> fucking yeah, parroting, but parroting while making while, while making the gesture of seals clapping for a piece of fish, mm. like. And the thing about it was, is the Guardian was at least, I mean, fuck the Guardian, but the Guardian was at least somewhat uh, critical of the idea of herd immunity, whereas like you know, uh, Observer wasn't. Observer no, nobody wasn't, from course, like Robert but, Peston on down was. Exactly, yeah. everyone, mm. ev- basically everyone to the right of the. Of, of most of the Guardian were in favor of herd immunity, even when like we were an absolute international outlier in that regard. What's weird to me is the extent to which this shit, uh, everyone's united. It's like the big landlordocracy of all of British media yeah. has united. Mm. Like you need to go and pay rent in our buildings and work in your offices that pay rent for us and eat at Pret because otherwise you're a loser. You're gonna. I've seen them saying you're gonna suffer mental health effects. I've seen them saying you're gonna suffer physical effects. And I don't know what the fuck those are. Are you saying like mm. you might burn yourself on your kettle because you're slightly you get more like, relaxed at home? You might like, get like recreational peasant's knee. <laughs> it's what's happened is um, Megan McArdle has basically John Malkovich into every British columnist mm. at once and is making some bird-brained argument about how this needs to happen. Me but- just walking around and looking every British columnist in the eye and pointing at their rental property and saying, vape shop. Do you think maybe we- that this, like, manufa- this ability to just switch the big manufacture consent switch to on has something to do with the fact that Extinction Rebellion, in a rare case of being based, uh, just managed to blockade the presses for five papers at once on one road. 
and now uh, are, are mm. going to be designated an organized crime group by the British Worse government than for fucking Hezbollah, stopping yeah. me from getting my copy of the Sun. So they're but, a lot less cool than Hezbollah. But, what, uh, but so basically, uh, yeah, and a lot more British police officers probably in their ranks. But yeah. uh, I want to say a couple of things. A couple of things. Number one, uh, yeah, this isn't uh, Nate, as you point out. This is about landlords, not Pratt, because the major Tory party donors, like every single big commercial uh, property landlord in the city, Canary Wharf, and in Manchester Central Business District, blah blah blah, all uniformly Tory donors. Yeah, just harder Tories, for them to get the cops to tase you. Yeah. Tory, Tory don't, Tories don't really care as much about, and this is a difference between the UK and the US. In the US, they really care about businesses, whereas in the UK, businesses, they're a little more lukewarm on, like Pret and Itsu are owned by the same private equity firm. They'll be able to pivot that oh, business our model. Our current prime minister said of, memorably, of Brexit, fuck business, right? You yeah, would never get that out of a and Republican. Hancock said... Don't talk about business that way. That. That, that's when I fell in love with Matt Hancock, and he was yeah. like, "Don't talk about business that way. <laughs> talk about business that way. Where else would I get a stroop waffle? <laughs> uh, except for one of our many fine businesses. Yeah. They sell treats. He understands the economy just as a treat dispenser. That's why he's so go cute. To, go to the Netherlands and get one myself. So basically, right? This is about preserving landlordism, and mm. so what we happens is our free press. Then what they do is. In response to a public demand to not die, just like in response to sort of every popular large public demand, they will then reflexively gainsay it in favor of whatever the Conservative Party wants to do. Yeah, but and they like choose to dox, do it themselves. And like dox a bunch of members of the public, uh, just out of habit, mm. I guess. Yeah. But the thing is, they're a free press because no one told them to do this. They want to do yeah. it themselves. They love it. They're yeah. just cucked. I always, I always am reminded of this whenever Owen Jones makes a comment about the British media class. And every single fucking idiot columnist in this country feels obligated to attack and complain and feel personally attacked by this. And invariably, like, they're like, no one tells us what to think. And it's like their responses are pretty much all verbatim because either they're in one big WhatsApp group, just like the, the display image is a golden retriever. Or like, I think the point you're getting at, Riley which is that they wouldn't be in this position if they hadn't been fucking grown in a yeah. lab specifically for this purpose. So and so you, it's, it is their organic reaction. Yeah. They're just really stupid. So if you want to understand press freedom in this country, just remember that after GCHQ politely asked the Guardian staff to drill their hard drives after releasing the Snowden files, that the person who was appointed as editor-in-chief of the Guardian was someone from who had a history in like the um, lifestyle section of the newspaper from Australia, or who worked was from Britain, who worked in Australia, uh, who was very anti all the Snowden revelations. But it's a free press still. And because he said, in, oh, crikey, because, we're going to have to drill the hard because drives. Because individual journalists are able to make individual decisions about what to write, and then they individually make those individual decisions. Yeah. Nothing exists at a structural level. Let's read this oh. article. My bloody computer's gone the way of Andrew Law's appendix. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it's it. a fucking I knew nightmare. It. I knew it. I was, if you didn't make that joke, I was going to. <laughs> oh, I, fine. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get to this article. Uh, oh. Get back on the train, Ian Gately writes. Commuting is a ticket to a better you. Any relation of Stephen Gately? Very rare that you see a headline in the vocative like this. Mm. I've, I've, I've editorialized it myself to try and uh, clarify things. So Ian Gately, if you don't know who he is, which I don't know why you would, is a crackpot who has cool. written a book on the history of commuting. He's available on goop.com. That's how much of a crackpot he is. Yeah. Um, so Ian Gately is just, this is why I wanted to read this article, because all the other ones were the usual moralizing, finger-wagging tone of British columnists. But this guy, he just loves commuting, and he thinks it's really fun. Awesome. Oh, he's he's Marge Simpson about potatoes. Yeah. I just think they're neat. <laughs> I just think they're neat. So here's uh, here's what he's written. 
It's been nearly six months since we were first asked to work from home, and one of the early silver lockdowns, uh, lightnings of lockdown, rather, I think we can all agree, was not having to spend a large proportion of every morning and evening with our nose pressed into a stranger's armpit on a packed train or bus. Yes. We could the article there. Yes. However, mm. I'm going to say why I think this is good, actually. I actually like the smell of armpit. <laughs> More or less. It yeah. sort of heavily implied that yes. Ooh. So. This is just a delight. This is just a delightful fancy lad having a little, just a, a little tinker mm. around the innovation workshop, thinking mm. of some fun ideas. He's a musk pup. It's fine. <laughs> but mm. with a half a year to reflect, did we wish our commutes away too readily? No. If you're Ooh. not back, if you're not back at your desk, isn't a small piece of you missing that daily ride to and from the office? No. <laughs> uh, none, none of us commute, but we assume it sucks. It's, well, I, I kind of commute. Oh yeah, it's, you, the one, it's like. Like no one misses commute. Like all of us okay, have commuted. I actually think, right? I actually think, yeah. I actually think that some people are maybe a little bit too excited about the idea of working from home forever, and they don't realize there are aspects of like having some sort of community in a workplace that they might miss. Like there's, as- there's social aspects of it. Yeah, but like, yeah, it, part all of the that, problem all that is that, that like all of the social aspects of anything other than work have been systematically destroyed. I, I would also yeah. say that I mean I commute to come here. And I commuted for two years with a really bad commute in New York. And like, working from home is awesome. Do I want to do it all the time? No. That's why ultimately I come to the studio like at least once a week. But mm. I, I fucking when you're obligated because we get to gossip about Marjorie in TF accounts. When somebody when somebody <laughs> she's next to the Ligers <laughs> is gonna get is gonna get mad at you if you're not at your desk at nine a.m. or ten a.m. or whatever your schedule is. Yeah, right. Like you have to fucking get out of bed, <laughs> get on the train deal with like all the fucking frustration of whether or not the train's going to work that day a very important thing in new york uh mm. like it sucks and having the freedom to do either is great but like i think some people miss might miss the office because they live in fucking shoeboxes in london and like that would suck especially when it's balls hot and like if you had climate control in your office yeah. but like I, I cut you off milo so i'll let you jump back in but yeah i mean yeah, i mean i think that like it's I, I like whilst i don't agree with like the fucking stupid like debt or lad or whatever it was like oh aren't you gonna miss like the your boss and all this i was like no gonna but like people ligers. might miss going to the pub with some of their co-workers and moaning about their fucking boss yeah like because otherwise you just have to sit at home and stew about your boss on your own right yeah. but, but what you don't miss is the fucking commute like that's just the objectively it's a waste of your time yeah like why would you want to commute like there's no mm. upside to it and also like the uh, uh don't don't forget, right? Like it is a political it is a political decision to make the commute your time. So that even though you have mm. to come to the office to sell your labor to your boss, you don't get paid for it. You basically pay to come in and you don't yeah, get compensated you, you for that journey. But we love it. Isn't but it weird? It. Isn't it weird how commuting in the UK isn't even tax deductible? Like the money you spend getting to work is just like it comes out of your taxed income. Yeah. But when, you love it. Yeah, we do love it. In the U.S., something that is more common with white-collar employers is that you can get a um, you can get pre-tax income put into like a like the equivalent of like a health savings account, but it's for paying for um, your transit rides. So like you get money you set aside. There's a certain only typically a maximum per month or whatever, but you can put money aside and then you can use that to buy your like your That's your metro card in New York City, for example. Edge policy. It proposed that now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but, but, but like, that's the thing though, is that that's a thing that white collar workers get people who have casual labor or who don't have workplace benefits like that. You can't just opt to buy into that as a citizen. Mm-hmm. It has to be offered through your workplace. So similarly in the U S you have a situation like that where poor people, you know, have to fucking get whatever they can get. And, and people who are middle, upper middle class basically get it subsidized yeah. via pre-tax savings. And they like, love it. Yeah. 
And, but, and, and everyone loves it. That doesn't mean the train doesn't fucking suck. And that doesn't mean community doesn't suck. And here in the UK, like it's so expensive. So the idea that, I mean, I think, most, I think most people probably, even if they miss the social life, they probably don't miss spending. I mean, shit, just my wife taking the bus from South London to her office in South London. And that was it. Maybe once a week going to like an exercise class in Shoreditch. She was spending like 110 pounds a month on public transit. Like it was a lot of fucking money because it wouldn't be cost effective to buy a monthly pass because she doesn't take the bus that much mm. that it would fucking be worth like however many hundreds of pounds it costs. So regardless, you all love it and <laughs> all of your criticisms are invalid. And I'm going to tell okay, you why. Hit me. Okay. Hit uh, me. But with half a year to reflect, did we wish our commutes away oh. too readily? If you're not back at your desk, isn't a small piece of you missing that daily ride to and from no. the office? For many of us, the commute is part no, of who not. we are. A part of me is missing that sign that says you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. <laughs> That's right. I love being reminded that you don't have to be mad I, to work I, here, but it me, helps. I did miss that mug in the kitchen that says Prosecco a, Princess a on it. part of me is tied up in two Argentinian guys inexplicably bringing hiking backpacks onto the subway at <laughs> nine in the morning. This is basically, this is, this and is they're full of moldy beef. <laughs> How else do you get your beef here? This is man's search for meaning, but like filtered through a train spotter. I once saw, I mean, I'm not going to get to the really gross shit that I used to see on the train because that's, that's, that's that cool. feels like punching yeah. down in a way because, because yeah, and also a lot of times the people involved are like, are like unhoused and, and, and probably not in the best of straits. I remember one time going to work and I said, so this is probably between 14th Street and 42nd Street. So my last express train stop before I'd get off and then get on the, the local train to um, 53rd Street. And I saw a young woman, probably one or two years out of college, who clearly had been on the sesh, which is not an expression that we use in America, but you can tell the sesh. Spelling on with an A in it. The, 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 the sesh, you, you, know, you know what we're talking about here, like all-nighter, rager, et cetera trying to go to work and tr change from she was in her work clothes but she was trying to change into like her work shoes from flip-flops and she was so obviously still drunk or or high or whatever the fuck both and she basically just dropped to her knees on the gross disgusting fucking subway floor to like start rifling through her bag to find her shoes which she did eventually find and i was just sort of like it's pretty gross that you obligate people like you, they must be in this place at a certain time that like that person didn't feel safe enough to be like, you know what? Maybe I'll work from home today. Mm. Uh, well, we'll on the come down, but you can't because you don't have the right to work from home no. because nope, you have to fucking be there. But this is part of who you are. It's part of your a core part of your identity and how you derive your meaning in this world is based on um, the time you spend. Uh, you know, either scrambling to change your shoes on the floor yeah, with or your knees between in basically urine on yeah. the fucking floor of the New York City subway. Mm. Uh, this is oh, not just this kind. isn't just things can't get better. Uh, this is isn't it so lovely that things are the way they are. So the average British commute, he says, uh, is 58.4 minutes a day. Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, that's a full hour of your life. That is once if you sleep for eight hours <laughs> a day, that is on average a 16th of your waking life. Spent just sitting on a train, I had, I staring had, off into nothing. I had a commute. I had a commute like that, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I spend ten hours a week on the New York City subway on a on a good week. Mm. Like, it's awful. It fucking sucks. And I actually really liked it when we had horrible snowstorms, and they were just like, "Fuck it, work from home today." I was like, yeah. "Sweet." So he says, and mm. people frequently refer to it as a drudgery, but it doesn't match the science. 
When, oh, the science of commuting. Well, These are the, the laboratoire <laughs> commutier. When, in 2004, the technology company Hewlett-Packard attached electrodes what, to the heads what, and chests uh, of rail uh, commuters. Oh, it, fuck th- me. It found that the elation and anxiety they experienced when rushing for trains and jostlings for space were as intense as the emotions felt by fighter pilots during what? combat. That's Why a bad thing! <laughs> Getting PTSD from my fucking commute. Also, it's like uh, number one. It's again, I, I just yeah, I maybe. love the whole you know use use data to use data science to flatten whatever you want. Maybe like yeah, uh, we we hooked up some stuff to people and we determined that they love it. <laughs> they love going in. Uh, <laughs> we took the uh, the sensation of joy that they feel when they manage to elbow their way into a closing train car, uh, and now uh, we turned it into a symphony and we're playing it at the Dubai Fountain. <laughs> uh, Mohammed bin Salman is personally going to personally going to airstrike it at the fucking the denouement of the recording. Hmm. Mm. So yeah, the um. That basically was like, yeah, uh, elation and anxiety were as intense as the emotions. I, why do you want to feel a fighter pilot level of... And the anxiety is there because if you miss the train, then at least in somewhere like America, or if you have a zero hours contract, you're going to have to move yeah. out of your house. A fighter pilot fucking changing out of flip-flops <laughs> into his flight boots while <laughs> attempting to maintain control of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh so, man, that PCP really hit me. So basically... Con- man, you really couldn't get more ideological than just like, you're the troops. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what if... By by rushing in to the um, to the train, where by the way you'll uh, in this in a world of rapidly rising COVID infections, you'll probably get a debilitating illness that will cripple you for this the rest will, of your life. Pr- the worst thing is this would probably work if only the British government weren't too cheap to just give commuters mm. uniforms for commuting. Awesome. Listen, <laughs> like, if you, if you gave people a little badge like the NHS badge or the care badge or a little medal or something, mm. uh, yes, yeah. you know, everyone everyone is the instantly. troops. I love That's it. How like we are. If you if you want to get a seat on the tube, just throw a flashbang in before you get on. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the confusion, you'll get a seat for sure. So, Alice, are you saying that you want us to do the late Soviet Union thing where we can't pay you in money or yes. products, but everyone gets a well, badge? No, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't want it to happen, but I am saying that the British public as a whole are cucked enough that if you gave us a badge for like risking death by getting on the commute with the Argentinians with the hiking backpacks, we would all do it. You can basically just make it like yeah, like a, a denim trousers and like long blouse, like a uniform, and make it as close to North Korean goo factory worker uniform as possible. <laughs> just like yes. just because you know that the hogs are going to eat the slop, they will yeah. fucking love yeah. it. Uh, really busy on some morning lines this morning. That's crazy. <laughs> Our family moved from to Buenos Aires from uh, Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. So, so, uh, even for those of us driving to work, which is still what most British commuters do, a little bit of road rage can be good for us. Uh, just, I love that. Die. Just, just, uh, just, he's just like, yeah, don't you die of that. Don't you also, don't mm. you miss the impotent fury of being bumper to bumper traffic and just screaming at the car in front of you? Yeah, I mean, I do that literally every day. Yeah. But <laughs> I've been um, in the car with him. He does. Oh, man, do I this. get so mad. Some guy today just slowed down from like 40 to 20 w- without indicating and just began driving along at that speed. And I'm dri- and I, what the fuck? Then eventually he waves me around. And I'm like, indicate, you stupid. Like, it's a thing on the and car. The thing is, a lot of people aren't experiencing that now. No. But they could be. They could also, be. You could says, be getting as like, it's good for the vocal cords. He says, it's a good way to let off steam in a controlled environment. But why do you have the steam? Where's the steam coming? If, it, mm. if it's in a controlled environment, it's not road rage. Yeah, you do controlled explosion. <laughs> also, it's like maybe you have the steam, 
because you're driving somewhere that if you're late to, you might have to move out of your house and stop eating. If losing your mind from road rage was healthy, then Milo would be the healthiest human being on the planet. <laughs> that is right? true. To <laughs> be fair, if it wasn't for road rage, the guy I worked with called Ian, who thought he was the wolf of Wall Street, would never have been shot in the chest with a rubber bullet by a Russian guy. And you know what? For that, I think we can all commute once or twice. For, for that story, listen to Pindos. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, the other thing, right? Here's after the road rage paragraph. Graph, this is where I realized that this is just a very, very stupid person who wrote this, but wrote awesome. it very happily. The next paragraph, it says, the cyclists among us may be experiencing withdrawal symptoms from the endorphin surges caused by slippery roads after rain and near collisions with buses or careless pedestrians. It's fucking terrifying. What are you talking about? Don't you mm. want to almost? You know, you, what? Don't uh, you, you want to almost die? It? What I love when I'm riding my bike, and that's how I, I haven't ridden public transit since fucking March. I've only gotten around the city by, by bike since then. What I love is when I make it through a light safely, but, you know, nick of time or when it's a beautiful day. Like the other day, it was like, 19 celsius which is fucking gorgeous just cycling in sunny wonderful what i don't like is when it's slippery and you take a turn and you almost fucking eat shit like yeah. that's yeah. not good i don't look forward to that i don't look forward to like <laughs> you should fucking yeah. yes, you do. Yeah, you do. yes you do the article says you do you're right you know what makes me happiest you know what i think was good for the economy is if people like me have to choose between hitting the guardrail on tower bridge hitting a bus or riding your tiny ass bike tire over someone's nos cartridge that they've thrown in the fucking street yeah, that has it. happened to me mm, so many you times love it. That, which Actually, way weston man which uh, way so basically right <laughs> yeah it's uh, the, what i what i like about this right is that this is if you wanted, if you want to relate this to Umberto Eco's ur fascism, you very much can. Why don't yeah. I? Yes. <laughs> the mm. um, the the sort of the I'm constantly relating <laughs> things to Umberto yeah. Eco's ur fascism. You love the train. <laughs> so basically, I'm a respected <laughs> Italian author of the 20th century. Making making the uh, making everyone into truth. <laughs> oh, today I found out yeah. Milo knows one yeah. thing about Umberto. Yeah. Eco. <laughs> well, exactly one thing, yeah. and he will never learn more. That's but right. Basically, uh, yeah. If we want to turn everyone into troops, turn every Everything into a heroic encounter between life and, and death. And also, I would say, uh, action for action's sake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you you can't stay at home. You must still move and work and go. It's basically like like I, I was I was I keep thinking I, I think about the futurists a lot. Um, trash futurists. Yeah, I think about the futurists a lot because like they're they express a kind of I think anxiety that is. The, sort Don't of, you miss eating pasta made out of steel? Pasta? No way. That promotes lassitude mm. in the Italian people. If um, it was for the pasta made out of steel, I would never have learned the name of the rose. <laughs> That's actually the last line of that book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they, exactly. They, they were, were no longer thing. little girls. They were little women. Well, <laughs> Exactly. I've actually read that book recently. Twelve hundred pages of like you know Abyssinian heresy and uh, and fucking you know secret un unread tomes for fucking Archimedes. But the final line of the book actually is I Marone. Yeah. As so, he as as he looked from one little woman to another little woman, he realized they were all pigs. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> right? Yeah. I th so I see this as it's just a very a very sort of cheerful almost mr bean like expression of ur fascism yeah just washing fucking lettuce in a sock having yeah. a great time yeah just 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 sort of walking around looking around getting hit Ooh. by a car and being like "Ooh, that's Ooh. gonna be the jolt i need to get through the day uh, train <laughs> so uh for others commuting offers tranquility two periods of limbo no, in between doesn't. home and work 
Yeah, whomst? Who? No, Whom? no one. Where are you commuting to? Space? Like what? Like <laughs> what is this commute? Oh yeah, my commute across the Sahara Desert. Like what? So, so Cynthia once had a contract job, and when it ended, she was waiting on another thing, and so she was going to exercise classes in the morning when she didn't have to do like work starting at the same time. And we'd go to the subway together, and she told me once that she's like when the train was pulling into the station and you knew you were about to step onto the train like to go to work. She's like, I could feel your entire body tense up. You're just like, fucking shit, I hate this. Yeah, tranquility. And it's like, yeah, so the idea of that period being tranquil. It's a like, massage. Mm. No, no, because again, don't forget the, that people like this, that when they think about like what Britain was now, like anywhere between 50 years and six months ago, they imagine a drawing. They imagine mm. a little colored in drawing of a vicar on a bike and, yeah. and, a, and, a, and, a, and a milkman and a, 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 a carrier. Yeah, Jack, a terrier. Jack the Ripper is murdering a woman, but she's smiling and waving. Yeah. And so these people, all, <laughs> they can only think of the past as a drawing. And so he's th- he's he is really trying to think of what he thinks the actual commute really Read was. Read all about it. Stock markets, milk. <laughs> and Why, what, thank you, boy. <laughs> and be one of those newspapers. And what he's actually thinking of is a little, a cute little sketch where everyone's rosy cheeked and going onto the train and saying, "How do you do well, to one another?" You know how I finally mm. got the good news. I finally got blocked by David Vance. He posted something like oh, that, no. like literally like one of those like oil paintings of just like the cheerful English village where everyone is white and milkmen, terriers and whatever. And he was like, this is Remember what it used to be man. like before before the fucking multiculturalism. And I, I just I responded. And I was like, David, you do realize that statistically, statistically speaking, every single person in that photo to include a terrier is a pedo. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't like that. <laughs> uh, David Vance, what does what does that guy like? I'm still trying to figure out what he likes. So no, he, nonces was yeah. better then. You uh, had a village nonce. Everyone knew he was part of the community. Now they're bringing in the nonces. Doing the bin man video about how bin men were t- the bin man Facebook post about how bin men were tougher back in the day, but yeah. for nonces. <laughs> exactly. so, he says he They're says a higher standard again. of nonce. Those days, if they wanted to nonce your kids, you couldn't touch them. <laughs> no, so they could fix their own van then. So it says for others. Right. <laughs> he says as this for others, commuting offers tranquility. Two periods of limbo in between home and work. Mm. Number one. If you need a period of tranquility before getting home, you might hate your family. Number two, a, Br- a British columnist who just family hates them and they hate their family? No way. I mean, look, when he's talking about, he would know about periods of limbo because if there's one thing British columnists can do, it is squeeze under a low bar. Hey, yo. Introducing Jimmy Carr. Bazinga. Try the soup. It's great. So it's also that allow us to steal ourselves for a stint at the coal face. So like... Mm. Yeah, why do you? You don't work at a coal face. You write if articles. If you work in a mine, you don't really commute. They typically live near the mine. <laughs> that was one of the only upsides <laughs> my, of working in a mine. My commute in in a mine lift, which uh, you get mm. paid for, I guess, yeah. so it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, so the, also, yeah, it's just like you're what? talking to your Dutch colleague. Have you already been down or no, no? <laughs> the commute can also be a period of uncluttered thinking that history shows us can lead to inspiration and creativity. As, as as fucking Jorge jams his backpack buckle directly into my spleen for the fifth time that minute, I feel so uncluttered. Well, uh, he says that Albert Einstein, the only Sorry, smart person... Oh. I realize this is an unusually specific grievance, but nonetheless... Yeah, this is SJW grievance culture. Why would you bring a bag that big? <laughs> I don't know. Ask, uh, ask Ian Gately. Why is there a um, big swastika on it? So he says, uh, Albert, I- <laughs> Albert Einstein, the only smart person that columnists know about... That's right. Uh, first wondered if time might be relative while well, he looked at the town hall clock on his daily train ride oh, to Bern. Christ. Uh, uh. So, you know, it's like you couldn't... 
anyway, so you need so you couldn't have thought about that that other interesting good stuff. Oh, oh, you don't like yeah. getting the train? Albert Einstein got the train. Who are you? <laughs> who are you to say you don't like the train when the smartest man who ever lived but got the train? Equally, it's like why is your? Th- it's this. That's why I love like these kinds of articles that really just focus on one thing. They say that oh, it solves all the problems created by this other big thing. Like why is your mind cluttered for eight hours a day? <laughs> um, and also, it's like why do you need to? Why is the drudgery so necessary? So like, yes, well, it makes the drudgery better. But yeah, maybe in I don't know nineteenth century burn. But then you're probably getting black lung from the coal. This has never been good. Hmm. Um, Say what you like about living living in a trench in the fields of Ypres, but it's the best way to protect yourself from all the machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. Uh, commuting is, of course, the prime time to read Jean Le Carré or listen to a podcast like this one. Yes, Jean Le Carré. If you were listening to this on your commute, we're so sorry. Yeah, it sucks. I'm really sorry about it is, that. It is actually the perfect place to read a John le Carré book because that is the choice of a boring person. Like it's the thing about John no, le Carré no, book no. where it's like, don't do John le Carré like this. It's <laughs> Frederick Forsyth who's the boring okay. choice. But he says, but I- it's like, imagine if my life was interesting or involved any degree of intrigue. Uh, yeah, I, I'm an old white man with a suit. I could be a spy. Yeah. No, for all I know, any of these people could look at me and think, hmm, maybe yeah. that's a spy. You wouldn't have that mm. if you didn't have your commute. I'm spying on these you Argentinians right now. wouldn't be able to play right pretend. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Uh, he talked to someone who says, I would normally listen to an Audible book in my car for an hour each way, and now I dream about that time, says Alexandra Sedgmore, an account director. You can just you listen can to it. listen to the fucking book. I don't have the time or energy to read once the children are in bed. No, you do have the time. You literally have the... Because you had the time anyway. So the time hasn't... The day hasn't become... Oh, the 22-hour the, the day that we have now <laughs> well, it's because the, it's, of coronavirus. In many cases, Fucking though, Jeremy Corbyn took two hours out of the day so, to make sure that you don't die. I think the most, and, the, hmm. and the British public will never forgive him for <laughs> so that. So look, I think the most charitable way to read what Alexandra Sedgmore, account director, is actually saying is that, like... When you're working from home and your employer has complete and total power over you, they can usually force you to work longer hours and so on and so on because they know you're not going to use your commute. They're going to use that also time. Also, childcare yeah, and so yeah, like, on and but, so but, on. Yeah, the, sure, the com- I guess. The, look, but... the commute isn't the problem here. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, when the psychologist Paul Bloom examined the question, how can I be happy? <laughs> Cool. Uh, he hooked a bunch of electrodes up to commuters. Uh, he decided mm. that its answer lay in the definition of I rather than the definition of happy. Oh, fucking oh, damn, hell. That's some brain thinking. This is thinking uh. too. This whole art, we haven't talked about thinking too in a while, but the like, you need your commute to give your, that your office forces you to do to give yourself a respite from everything else mm. the office voices upon you. That is thinking too. That is uh, classic thinking I too. I do my commute on a cloud ship. <laughs> uh, how, can, how can I be happy, et cetera, et cetera. There is a home eye, a work eye, and a commuting eye. So everyone has three wolves in them. A home wolf, a work wolf, yeah. and a commuting wolf. And they're all gay as Didn't hell. They used to, wasn't there this Orientalist thing that used to say this about Japanese people specifically? I feel like that's been laundered into like mainstream psychology because it used to be like, ah, the, the salary man has a work self and like saves face. All, all I can think of is like what your commuting self is if you live in New York City, one of the worst places to commute. Hey, whoa. Steeped in piss. And I just am thinking about uh, about a video that Milo and I have discussed that he's never seen, but I've related to him numerous times where this Russian lady will not stop trying to fight this probably 21, 22-year-old Chinese-American woman. And she keeps telling her like, leave me the fuck alone. Stop it. If you touch me, I will hit you back. 
And she finally tries to kick this young woman and the girl just slaps the shit out of her and it turns into a scuffle. And a Chinese-American guy who may or may not be related to her, I'm not sure, basically steps in and throws her back and he stands away. He's like, lady, quit being fucking... Like in the perfect <laughs> New York City accent. Please send us the link yeah. so we can put it on the yeah. screen. And then she tries to come back to him and she's like, no, it's you who is being... <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And that's and that this are this is the self that has been denied to us because yeah. we'll die the, if we get ability, on a train. The ability to go viral for saying a series of racial slurs into people's faces and then being punched says, unconscious is being taken away our from commuting eye might make loud, unselfconscious phone calls and share our feelings with a captive audience. Mm. Yeah. Commuting so, Eye is my new magazine. Yeah. So uh, it might visit websites you wouldn't dare click on in front of family, friends, or colleagues. Uh, 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 yeah. Hard drive. Hard drives. Uh, Contact GCHQ. Uh, if, <laughs> <laughs> we can gamble, shop, check our horoscopes, or go internet dating. And it's like, okay. dude, you could do. Like, what kind of internet dating are you hiding from other mm. people? I'm just gonna do the, the the VAR meme, but in verbal form. Yeah. Checking yeah, yeah. hard drive decision. Yeah. Not. <laughs> we do not know if this person is that. We no. we they they probably are not, but it is Britain. Um. Mm. So, uh, yeah, our commuting eye. Yeah, even thing. though you individually are not, statistically you are. Yeah, it's Britain. It's Britain, baby. Uh, yeah. yeah, I love that. Also, it's like, yeah, our commuting eye might make loud, unselfconscious phone calls to sh- secretly. Our commuting eye might be Dom Jolly from Trigger <laughs> Happy oh, yeah. TV. Share our feelings with a captive audience. But what about the audience? Now they're they're sitting there having your feelings shared to them, and they can't do anything about Poor it. Come on, I'm trying yeah, to go on this me. child's dating profile, and you're <laughs> shouting about your business deals. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, uh, the Metro's newspaper's long, long, long-running Rush Hour Crush column demonstrates that many of us still dream of finding well, true so love gross. on our journey to that's or from so work. Gross, though. Yeah, of course so it is. Just, it's always dudes writing like, mm, I, "I saw you on the Northern Line wearing very revealing tights." It's just like, yeah, oh, it's just God, basically Vincent Price yeah. writing yeah, letters met, to the Metro newspaper. You met a Jacobean guy. Yeah, he looked that really is, cool. Yeah. Uh, exactly, and like also, also the other thing about a commute is that one of the things about commuting is if you're a woman, it fucking sucks for a whole other reason, which is that like people can just like touch you inappropriately, and you know ah, the that's, a thing. that's a police, that's is it? Of- yeah. yeah, and that's like that's not part of anyone's identity. That's not something anybody thinks. Oh yes, this is something I can look forward to. I can squeeze myself onto this train and like try to hit somebody with my fucking bag. You know. Yeah. And then you know you said it's. I love that. Mm. Just what if you it, find true love? This is the. I mean, this is like the classic. Yeah. What if, yeah. What if I find his hand up my skirt and I decide to propose marriage <laughs> right then and there? Um, yeah. Well, this is like this is like the, the the brain disease that British columnists have, which is they're all too empirical to live. Like they all wake up every morning and and look out into the world and are like, well, this could only be the way it is, and everything about the way it is must be because it is expressing some great deeper truth. People commute because they love commuting, and everything they use to make commuting slightly more palatable, like listening to audiobooks or whatever, is actually, they only do that because of commuting. And it's, again, mm. it's, it's just looking at everything and being like, well, this, it, everything is just frozen like this because it mm. is the deepest expression of something, and to try to look at it uh, differently is to deny the nature of reality itself. If they I- are too empiricist to live. One of the things that David Graeber, uh, late of this parish, said about his politics that sticks with me 
is that the point of anarchism for him was to point out that the world is something that we make and we can make it differently. And he was so alien to uh, British columnist establishment thinking because none of them have ever believed those things. Wait, but Alice, if I don't commute every day, who will I show the little cardboard piece of paper that I show to the guy? On the who will because he doesn't that come to true. my house, so yeah. that's true. Then will I just and stop you doing? Wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to read the little like inspirational message he writes on the board every morning. Yeah. And oh, again, I hate that shit so much. <laughs> I love finding Milo yeah. rats. It's like Minesweeper. You know, you never know which, oh, what's going to do it. But... Fucking some, you see, I have some picture going fucking viral on Twitter of like some fucking tube station. And it's like, hate racism, love the tube, simple as. And everyone's like, this is why I love London. Fuck off. You're not from London, or you wouldn't have posted that. You mawkish cunt from the home counties. Fuck off. But also, it's like, yeah, why do you need the inspirational slogan? Is something else crushing you that you might be going to or from? Um, <laughs> just anyway. fucking fuck. Yeah, look, Alice, your point, your, your point about David Graeber, I think, well brought up, right? Like, mm. it, this is just, this is tr looking at the world and imagining it as well. It just, it has to be this way. The inspiration- It's a naturally occurring tube line. Yeah. We need the commute and we need, because we need to see the inspirational slogans in the tube, on the tube station, because otherwise we would be crushed by the time we got to work. And all of these things are just in stone. Yeah. It's, it's like saying, it's like taking a medieval surf's plow away and them going, oh, well now I have to dig the beats up with my hands. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. You wouldn't yeah. want to I hate walk it when someone to work, takes the you? plow. Well, so here, here, it's, here, I've left me, I've left me plow chained up outside the waterland door, but and some, <laughs> some fucking toe rags nicked it. Why, why would you take a working man's plow? Like, look, I owe the lord of this parish a certain amount of crops every month, and he's gonna nick me plow. Like, honestly, mate, buy your own fucking plow. Yeah, but then imagine that and being like. The Lord, we, we, you need to stop stealing plows so people can continue to give their, their grain to the Lord of the Manor. Exactly, yeah. Imagine a pro-Lord of the Manor anti-plow stealing column, and you basically have Britain. Uh, but so, in fact, uh, this, is, this is incredible. For most of our existence as a species, we've been hunter-gatherers, which is an amazing start uh, to a paragraph in a thinking which two is, article. What is commuting? gathering but a commute to some berries? Yes. No, Milo, yes, that's what he says. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, no way. <laughs> uh, for most of our existence as a species, we've been hunter-gatherers, hardwired to spend part of each day in motion. I love to pick some berries <laughs> off of a bush, only to reveal an inspirational message written on a whiteboard. I love to be in motion. <laughs> for some some time every day. Yeah, the hunters of the Hadza tribe in Tanzania, for example, spend an average of two hours traveling seven miles a day in search of their quarry. Yeah, I bet they fucking hate it's it. It's good. Doesn't it doesn't make it good? It just they also, do it because otherwise they'll starve. Yeah, it's it's which again, is what commuting is. Okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like it's it's not as though like someone. It's not as though their boss has like put. Some boss has like put the quarry somewhere else, and then so you have yeah. to go we, from we your house moved to there the berries from you. Yeah. yeah. Also, if I bet a lot of them die of preventable diseases as well. When but they like, have you know, food, they don't. They don't just do it anyway. Like it, yeah. the idea is like yes, it's a necessity. But I mean, weirdly, human societies that stopped doing hunter gathering things and did agriculture didn't just decide to you know walk to a different field yeah. every day we, we, once shit, again back you know. to it comes out of the fucking ground you can just make the food be where you are 
Well, this is why I can't believe he's taken me plow. What does he think I'm going to do? Hunt a gather? <laughs> We're living in an agrarian society. What what year does he think this is? 500 BC? Come off it, mate. It's 1084. <laughs> I'm so into Midden's Advent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Midden's Advent is my favorite inexplicable Dave, thing. Dave, D- David with like three Ds and an E. Caught an I. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, some, some David Graeber has come into it's, our village and said, I, it needn't be thus that I give my yeah. crop to the Lord. This, this plow for which I have no writs from the, from the <laughs> Lord. <laughs> so he says, he says, um, we need to roam and are frustrated if denied the chance to do so. But it's not roaming! Take a walk! <laughs> Just go on a walk! It's If I live an hour away from the place I have to go at a certain time, and if I don't do that, I'll be made to starve and move, Go getting on the same train every day with a thousand other miserable people doing it for the same reason every single day for a decade is not roaming! A government ad for commuting that's just like, you wouldn't move to Tanzania. I, I mean, <laughs> my, my, thing, my thing, right, is not the roaming. That's not where I get hung up on. My thing is the word chance. By chance, we mean forced. Mm. Many yeah, of us have been commute, denied the chance, the to, chance roam. to roam. Yeah, many of us have been denied being made to do this thing by placing the commuting part of our identity in furlough. We diminish ourselves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love this guy again. Yeah, and a noble spirit in Biggins, the smallest <laughs> I think, man. I think the answer here is to do the Amy Therese dumbass left thing of being like, mm, identity politics much. Yeah, yes, I, I, Id Paul for commuters. Yeah, um, that's right. This podcast is—we yeah. just, just become red scarce. You're somehow. just trying to feel oppressed, man. You're doing uh, this. For, you're getting on that tube train for clout. Like, yeah, so. why does this guy love commuting so much? If your office still won't have you back, and you're missing the fields flying by on your twice daily train that's, ride, where are you commuting from that you have fields? Or want to reinsert mm. a buffer between your work time and your home line, home time? May I recommend a buffer between my dick and balls? May, may I recommend yeah, that that's you, part of the surgery that you watch a full-length video from one of many many of Britain's train rides on YouTube, including classics such as Brighton to London. Yeah, Bridge. go to twitch.tv forward slash Alice Avazandum. Uh, when I'm uh, playing Train Simulator, which is yeah. all the time. Oh, man. I, I love, love I that lo- he's picked <laughs> such a boring train journey. One of the worst ones. You could have picked yeah. one of the Lake Dish. You could have picked my personal favorite one, which is the um, the train that goes from Landquart to Davos. I think that's a very nice one. Yeah, cool. I love it when you're on the train. Of course, you're, of you're watching, yours you're, would be preposterously fancy. Yeah, when you're on when you're commuting to Closters, but your job is a ski instructor. Um, I, love it, I love it when I'm watching the video of the commute from Brighton to London. But then while you're doing it, you can just overhear some guy shouting on the phone at the other end of the carriage, just going, "Yeah, well, moment's got. I've got to buy a new plow, and I fucking it. Well, I have to. Well, I don't sell him in Brighton. Yeah." Uh, <laughs> the Lord of the Lord of Brighton's Manor has, has said I have to I have to get a, a plow of equal or lesser value to my previous mm. one, which has caused me to go to Southwark. Ah, Caroline of Lawrence has sent me on a quest. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, right? Yeah, uh, this is why this is why I think this guy's like a crackpot, and I can't actually be mad at him. He's like, look, mm. if you just miss the train, you can watch it on YouTube. Like, you know, you can just simulate <laughs> all of this. So don't worry about that too much. You can restore uh, the eye part mm. of your. You can restore just the commuting part being, of your identity by watching a YouTube on, video. Being on the train with everyone wearing a full VR headset in order to simulate a more exciting train journey. Yeah, <laughs> and I think. 
uh, we're gonna have to end end our end our beautiful premium episode yeah, for the for into, our beautiful boaters pulling into London Bridge here in the person of Closters. <laughs> right. uh, it's a great train journey. I recommend it if you if you can. I'm just on the train watching it. medieval plow simulator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you for watching my stream. Yeah. This yeah. is this has been a bonus episode of TF. Uh, thank mm, you so much for listening. Bonus island whitefish. Uh, this has been the bonus island whitefish. Um, You've made you that know joke all on the, the usual... last three bonus episodes. Yeah, Milo says it, and I say it again. It's part of the thing. Wait, have now. I ever said that before? Yeah, you've said it. A yeah, the bonus times. island yeah. whitefish. Yeah, you always say the bonus well, island whitefish. Well, now we've all said it, but yeah. I'm not sure I have said it. Nate's <laughs> not said it. Bonus island whitefish. Thank you very much. Now we've all said it. Now you at home say it out loud to <laughs> yeah, some, we'll preferably wait. to someone on a commute. You know, mm. bake no, them wait, your no, 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 wait. Give, give them a second to say it. Say it. Good. Wasn't yep. that fun? While, while you were busy saying that, someone stole on your plow. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> get after him. Now this that's is what you of... get for fucking listening to podcasters <laughs> telling you to say stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. now part of your commuting persona. Yeah. Anyways. I'm so taken by the idea of an entire tube carriage all just independently saying the bonus island whitefish at the same time. That's hey. how you know you were the fellow TF hog. Let's, uh, let's, hey, why don't we break a Guinness World Record by getting the most people to cram into a tube carriage and say the bonus island whitefish? Hey, technically, yeah. every time we've said it has been the most people to say the bonus island whitefish. Just as you're saying white fit, a fucking flashbang crashes through the door. <laughs> you're being All hunted right. down for your like lack of buying a sandwich from Pratt. Uh, you mm. know what the usual calls to action are. Uh, they'll be in the notes. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you in the free episode uh, next week. Later. Later. Bye. Bye.